Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with journalist Armando Gallardo is all about what happened on Saturday, November 14th in Washington, D.C. There was a bunch of protests for people that don't believe the election results for the 2020 presidential election. Armando was there covering it, and it's a conversation about that. Armando is a very old friend of ours. He's been on the show multiple times since I want to say 2016. He's been in my orbit since 2011. He's one of my favorite people. We shared a house during the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, which sort of um, is the spiritual beginning for all this madness that unfortunately continues today. Something else that is continuing is the coronavirus, and that is for the f- why for the first time we have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at you, me, them, everybody. Dot com. It's, uh, there's a link in our about page. There's a link in this podcast description. It's a weird time, and I'm glad Armando is documenting it. Here's the show. So, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm fairly tired, but you know, I'm um, I'm alive. That's good. Today is Sunday, November fifteenth. Uh, Saturday, November fourteenth. One week after President-elect Joe Biden gave his speech in Delaware. Uh, a bunch of people, uh, disparate groups that support the current president, decided to have a rally of sorts, and you covered it. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. They okay. were. Yeah. How yeah, many that, people were actually there in your estimate? Thousands, like tens of thousands of people. Was it more than the inauguration? Um. Mm, let me think. I'll probably say you know. Maybe a little bit less. Maybe a little bit less. Okay. Was there a yeah. nearly a million people there? Definitely not. Okay. Uh, that's what the White House press secretary said. <laughs> okay. She's lying. Okay. So you were you went down there to cover it as a journalist. Yeah, I was, uh, I was doing um, video coverage for uh, Business Insider. Okay. If you weren't covering it, would you have gone? Like if I wasn't covering it for or for like a newsroom, yes, I would have gone in anyway. Yes. Why? Um, because I will cover it for myself. Oh, okay, okay. Let's say, would you have gone if you weren't documenting it in any way? Oh, I see. No, probably not. Why? Right. But that, me not documenting something, it's almost like telling me not to like breathe. Right. So. <laughs> um, you've covered probably what? Oh, you've covered over a hundred things like oh, yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how will will this be memorable in any way? Absolutely. Why? I think that um, one of the most surprising things was to see the amount of people that were there. Okay. You know, regardless of um, whatever their intentions were, like they, the you know, there is a following mm-hmm. that it's very much. Um, very much tied up to whatever the president and other entities around him asked for them to do. And we'll follow the call to show up here to, you know, um, protect the election for what they see. So. Okay. Do you think that this will have any effect on the inauguration? You know, I was thinking about that yesterday and I, I personally think this shouldn't be inauguration anymore. Why? Because it's not it's not gonna go well. Like I mean, I I continue to stand by what I've been saying for months now, which is that this is, I mean, I was talking to my dad actually today, and I was telling him like, you know, there's gonna be some bloodshed eventually, mm-hmm. and then I corrected myself and they were, I was like, there actually has been already bloodshed mm-hmm. that people are not seen or whatever. Like yesterday, three people got stabbed, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, before that, on inauguration day, three people got zapped on the Proud Boys uh, end, supposedly. So, mm. you know, um, people are beating each other up, you know, and I can go into detail more when we talk about the coverage, but um, this is just not going to go well anyways, you know? It seemed like there wasn't really anything to report until much later on in the night. Is that fair? No, I mean, I, I would say that there was definitely plenty to report. Um, depends on your, your angle, right? But like, you know, the crowds were there. The speakers were there. The crowds kind of like fighting each other, not fight, fighting each other, but like um, at least not physically, right? Like mm -hmm. verbally were there next to the Supreme Court where like a group of like black block were there, like Slash and Tifa, I guess. And a lot of uh, Proud Boys slash like Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And they were yelling at each other and just had um, so much hate, especially, I would say, Trump supporters towards the other group. Okay. It's currently not on the top 10 stories of the Washington Post. The It's less than 24 hours later, and it seems like it didn't make a blip compared to the million man march or the march for our lives or the women's march or charlottesville or anything like that that's yeah. why i'm asking you if you think this will be memorable in any way because it seems like it came and gone rather quickly and then by the sunday morning news cycle due to what uh, trump tweeted out it was sort of over does that make sense yeah but you know i think that that's i think that's a mistake that um perhaps the media is making or the press or the people are making just because you know you cannot just follow um or, or get a take for what the country is like mm -hmm. based on what the media tells you you know um so i think that is a that is that's the thing that to keep in mind and, and like i think that the biggest most memorable thing about it is the fact that i was thinking so okay let me take this back so i was thinking that there will be proud boys there perhaps some alex jones like followers and that's where it would end, right? Mm -hmm. I was thinking perhaps 100 people, 150 people. That wasn't the case. It was a lot of, there were a lot of people there. There were, there were like state senators for different, um, you know, for different states and, and like uh, from Texas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like they had a whole operation going and, and the message continues to be the same that they've been, you know, portraying now for so long, which is that they are trying to steal the election, the Democrats. Mm -hmm. So, you know, re regardless of the fact that if it's the Post or whoever might be that might not be putting that on their front page, there is this group of people mm -hmm. that are fully, uh, they fully believe whatever the president tells them. And, and they see, as I have been telling you this for a while, like um, they see this election as kind of part of their existence. Sure. And once the president says to them, you know, or, or the, sorry, the, the, the whole lawsuit you know, situation goes through and it's deemed that Biden happens to be the next president. And then suddenly, because right now it's still like ambiguous for them, at least. Right. They're like they're, we're tr they're trying to steal the election. But once the election sorry, gets certified. Can... Sorry about that. Okay. Um, once, the sorry, uh, once the election gets certified, then it's literally going to be your existence is about to come to an end for what you, for you know what you know. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's when things are going to get and they're already starting to get more and more vicious. So um, going back to your question, why is it so memorable? Because, you know, 
DC lives in a bubble, right? And we think that these people do not exist a lot of times, or they, we think that only, like I, you know, mistakenly probably thought, you know, only Proud Boys will show up, only Alex Jones followers mm -hmm. will show up. That wasn't the case. Like people that, with their own money, pay their way to get here because they truly believe whatever the president is feeding them. When did you get to DC? It's about the same time as me. I got here in October of 2010. Yeah, I got here October, no, November of 2008. Okay, that's even better. Yeah. Does this remind you at all of the Tea Party in 2010? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, right? But the Tea Party, you know, had an ideological um, mindset behind them, right? Okay, I, well, I respectfully understand what you're saying. I yes. disagree that the ideology behind the Tea Party was anything but racism. Sure. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't say completely, but I'm definitely a part of it. I think it's the foundation of it, the same way the foundation of a lot of these disparate groups is founded in racism and paranoia. Apparently, sure. yes. I, I Yeah, I like that. So what I'm wondering is, is, is this just a slightly different Tea Party? I'm not saying it's a good thing, but is this a slightly different Tea Party where QAnon is the 2020 version of the 2010 Tea Party? Um. Well... I wouldn't say that because I mean I, I get your point and I I I see the similarities, but the the issue is that you know with the Tea Party at least you know where to go back to to get to question right, like you have some kind of heads of sorts of the Tea Party that you could you know go after and question whatever they're thinking and then potentially even destroy their arguments. I'm not saying that their followers are gonna fall you know go for that, but at least there's that option right. With QAnon, you don't really have that option because nobody knows who Q is. Well, that, um, hold on, hold, on, hold on. We're already getting we're getting off point here. I guess what I really wanted to okay. talk about is yes. Did, did you? How did you feel? Because to me, as an outsider, um, as someone that's still practicing as as many good practices as possible when it comes to the quarantine due to the pandemic, and someone that writes about this stuff but is not part of it and has for the last five years. I think the thing that's missing from both sides is facts don't matter, but feelings do. And when you say stuff like, this is not just you, this is the general you, not Armando Galari, like the you, when people are like, well, there's no leader of QAnon, it's like, that doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is yeah. people feel a certain way, therefore they do certain things, right? That's true. And if facts don't matter and feelings do, it doesn't matter who's giving the lack of a fact or a real or a fact what matters sure. is how you feel you is the as the audience member you is yeah, the yeah. person the proud boy or whatever so what i'm saying, saying is did you feel like there was any did you feel safe yesterday be it in terms of physical violence and maybe more importantly uh physical health due to coronavirus no i mean absolutely not and my my first reckoning with that was you know, me trying to get a freedom at Freedom Plaza at like noon when the speakers were supposed to start speaking uh, or chatting, I guess. And and um, I was getting trying to get closer to the to the uh, to the stage. Mm -hmm. And as I started looking around, I noticed that I was getting closer and closer, and people were getting more and more packed. And I was the only person wearing a mask. Yeah. Now and then I was like, oh, for the people that don't know, you have an N95 as well. Yes. Do you think you would have gone without an N95? Um, 
No, I mean, I probably would like double mask myself to some extent or okay. something like that. But yeah. You are, this is the weirdest, <laughs> this is the weirdest situation in terms of recording. At least it has been for 2020. You were kind enough to come over to my house in the spring to do this. And we did it outside because it yeah. was like, 60 or 70 degrees out and it wasn't raining or whatever there was some miscommunication tonight you are probably within like 100 or 200 yards from me but you are in your car yes i can see you um or i cannot see you but i can see your house from here. yeah that's weird but and no offense i don't feel safe with you in my house that of, of course and i, I don't think you came here thinking we were going to be doing this inside because other than no, my family no one has been inside this house since march of course. No, I was thinking it was going to be like a setup, you know, same as last time. Exactly. And I apologize for that. There's a, there, we're in the midst of a, uh, like a horrible thunderstorm or storm. It's about to hit. Like there's been some sprinkles. So I just want to say thank you for be, like literally driving over. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't All communicate right. that properly. And I guess this relates to yesterday. When do you think you'll feel safe to hang out in public in, in a setting with someone that has a small child or an elderly parent? Um, you know, I, I, I very much believe in people's own, um, decisions or like, you know, I, I, I'm, I guess it depends, right? Like the way I kind of see it is whenever I'm exposed to a potential situation, um, where COVID might be around, I give myself between three to seven days, um, which is when symptoms should start showing up normally, at least on average. And then I go and get myself tested uh, for for exposure, right? And then once that's done, you should take a couple of days. And then even after that, I still kind of like just monitor myself. So, but even that, like I, it's usually whatever kind of hang out and, you know, the very few situations I've been under, I guess, uh, hanging out with people, it's just been all outside, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's that. Yeah, but it's also... It's still kind of nice out in D.C. It's like 60 today, 65. Within a yeah. week or two, that's over. Yeah. Do you see your behavior changing due to the weather? Um, In terms of just coverage or what? what, what? Everything. Um, yeah. I mean, probably. <laughs> so, you know. But you, you, you know, honestly, like, I, I kind of got used to this thing now. Yeah. I had, I had kind of have it under control now, <laughs> you know, and like I've been traveling for work. So mm -hmm. like that also gives me a little bit of a nice, you know, um, break of sorts, you know. Have and, you left the country since March? Yeah. Yeah. I've been to, I've been to Cancun. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever think of just staying? In the, in there? Yeah. Yeah, of course, but I wouldn't be able to work. So, you know. You can't do I, one I, of your jobs remotely. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. I couldn't go to a. I couldn't cover a protest. So. <laughs> Does any part of you wish you weren't here? Here being the United States of America. Um, sometimes I wish I was in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, you know, um, they seem to have it more under control, you know, and yeah. and they seem to do things the way they. Seem. But that's not also true, some to some extent, because like a lot of my friends that are Europeans, I follow them on Instagram. They're still getting together like with people inside, you know. Yeah. Um. So. You know, actually, I wish I was in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably where yeah. I would love wish to be, like in Japan. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. South Korea. Yeah. They know what's up. How do you feel? 
sorry this is mostly about feelings because that's all right. I, I'm not really sure where to go with this coverage because we both have friends that are part of protest movements, but we have equal amount mm-hmm. of journalism friends. And I completely understand why you were there yesterday. I totally get it. I do not understand why anyone was down there unless they were doing this for work. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. You know, and, and I think that, you know, um, I think that one of the saddest thing for me to see on a constant basis is whenever, and the problem has become bigger, of course, with, with this kind of protest or, or not with this kind of situations, but you know, it will be a one kid. Right. And literally it was, a kid. it was like an 18 year old kid, just kind of like trying to say something to Trump supporters or something like that. And then one of them will like, just, they couldn't wait to fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this one kid, you know what I mean? And totally. like, he's like a grown ass man. And then next thing you know, the the crowd that is kind of far from that sees this interaction and then they all run towards it. Yeah. And then it becomes a mob mentality, which is to me is one of the scariest things possible in a situation like this. But within that mob mentality, which they're trying to potentially, you know, hurt this kid, they don't even know why, but they just showed up. And as far as they're concerned, one of their people got, a, got hurt or whatever. And um, the next thing that happens is that everybody starts getting their phone out. Yeah, like it's some kind of you know, um, entertaining situation that they can away to share with their friends and family. I find that ridiculous. Have you attended any of these and actually thought I could improve on this? I could give notes about how to actually throw a better protest. <laughs> yeah, of course. Seriously, what I, would uh, you? Okay, let's say you're let's let's go from <laughs> both sides. Yesterday, let's say you're a proud boy. What would you have done yesterday to make yesterday better? <laughs> uh man, I mean. I'm, I'm trying to, th- well, it depends, right? Like what, what's my goal here? Is my, is my goal to hurt people? Like, I don't know. Like, you tell me. <laughs> um, you know, they, I think Proud Boys actually have a fairly, um, you know, I interviewed Enrique Tarillo, which is their chairman and who got supposedly stabbed. Last nice name drop. Yes. Just... Well, it's not. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about my, you know, <laughs> good old buddy, Enrique here. Uh, anyway, so he, um, he's he actually kind of has done a fairly okay job to handle the the move the image of the Proud Boys because, um, he you know he has made it clear that they are not white nationalists. Though the founder was a white nationalist, mm-hmm. and the beginning of the Proud Boys, it's you know rooted in white nationalism. Um, and he uses the fact that he's Cuban-American as a way to be like, do you think white nationalists will pick a brown person like me as their chairman? And But on top of that, he's very good at managing media, right? So mm-hmm. um, so he has done a fantastic job to some extent at uh, handling and, and, you know, being a good person to have as a head of, you know, the message and the movement behind them. But sure. so that's one side in terms of protest, I guess. But so, you know, that's that. But I mean, what I would have done differently, um, they were taunting the police actually at some point and they were like going towards them and being like, you know, we got your back so many times and here you are like letting all these people beat us up. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know? yeah. but you, to be that. fair to the listener at home that doesn't know this, you're not white. <laughs> exactly. So... 
I'm assuming the majority of the Proboys there were not Cuban Americans. Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> so I think yeah. the, these things matter. Um, let's say you're part of Antifa. What would you have done yesterday? Um, you know, part of me feels like I wouldn't even show up. Yeah. Why? Uh, because, you know, the cameras start rolling whenever people get into fights, right? And I question that often, even with my own coverage, right? Because my my assignment yesterday and my assignment now, I think it might be for a little bit longer than that. It's actually related to Proud Boys, right? And the way they operate, mm -hmm. understanding a little bit of, you know, the people behind it and whatnot. So my assignment was literally to just follow Proud Boys throughout the entire day. Um, now, if I wouldn't be covering it, I would not even give it a minute to think about them, you know, because it feeds the movement. And and if you think about like, you know, let's say I'm a, you know, 14, 15 year old kid who doesn't have a great, you know, upbringing here and it's looking for some kind of um, belonging, right? And then they suddenly see this group of macho men, you know, that are all about boyhood and like, you know, brotherhood, sorry. And, you know, I got your back and, you know, we're going to beat up people that, you know, don't, don't agree with what we think. I, and I watch this on a, on a, on a, you know, news station or whatever. Mm -hmm. I might be drawn to that. But if you quietly shut them down, right? Like that wouldn't be the case. Or at least like, you know, segment whatever you cover, right? Not just like the violence, but like whatever else might be um, behind it, like a coverage of the fucking day or something, you know? So, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, and the thing is that, you know, you, you just kind of have to wonder why, why am I here for it? Right. Yeah. Like why wasn't Tifa there for, why was, um, the Proud Boys, I mean, I know why the Proud Boys were there for, that's for sure. Oh, I totally understand why they're there. I get it. <laughs> but and, and I have to say yesterday, their command, and I heard this from people that were there was we're not going to wait for them to attack us. We are going to go after them now. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw. They literally were trying just like, you know, scape the police blockage over and over until the police just couldn't hold them back anymore. And then they escaped and then that's when shit hit the fan. Okay. So seems like everyone down there, not everyone down there, the majority of people that you saw that were causing problems went there to cause problems. Oh, Absolutely. So this is in no way surprising. Right. Do you have any more interviews lined up with any of the Proud Boys? No, we're trying right now to get um to sit down interviews because I, I told the producer, hey, listen, like, we, you know, we're not going to get interviews if you're sending me to protest, you know? No, no. Their, their, their goal at this point is let's beat up people and that's that's where their mind is. So have, you, have you thought to ask if the name is ironic? Um. Well, tell me what the what their you know yeah I mean sure I could I I'll, I mean it's an I mean, incredibly insulting premise but I feel like proud like with with the leader of the free world being like hey proud boys you're my guys that to me right. is either the death of irony or the height of irony <laughs> right because the definition of proud is feeling deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievements qualities or possessions right. So you've done no, you've you how are you proud of that that proud of what you've done nothing it's about achievement right 
And then right. boy, it's they're supposed to be men. They're supposed to be adults, not boys. So, right. But I mean, I think that that's kind of like a little bit of the how they coerce themselves to be able to act the way they act, right? No, no like, I get it. I, have, no, no, I get it. Like, but maybe like it's it's is it supposed to be ironic? I mean, it's it comes from the the song "Proud of Your Boy" from you know Disney's Aladdin, actually. Okay, so. But there's either that. way. <laughs> have you tried to like fucking sing a whole new world with them? <laughs> no, I haven't. I not. blame you on this now. <laughs> okay, thanks. It just seems. It doesn't seem. I feel like we're on the verge of pointlessness, which is great, but. Yeah. I was clearly wrong about Sony 16, so maybe I should shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. When it comes to DC and all this stuff, um, the residents of Washington, D.C. have been, re- I think, really good about the coronavirus. And, and based on the outbreaks, the numbers have shown that. Unfortunately, this is the place where people from around the country come to protest and we do it peacefully or not peacefully. That's the thing that scares me right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. I am in no way worried about physical violence or violence like that. Way too many people were like, did you hear anything? Did you see anything? It's like, I'm six miles away. That's not close. And also, like, this doesn't even break the top, like, ten important or, like, uh, a protest that I felt in any way whatsoever. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I I feel like that's... You know, I, I think that that's a that is a problem that it didn't get on my radar. Yeah, I respectfully disagree. OK, I think mm-hmm. there's the 2017 inauguration definitely on my radar. Um, <laughs> The obviously the Women's March on my radar, Uh, the June 1st protest. That was the last time where it affected more than just downtown. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think this affected more than just the downtown area yesterday. So what needs to happen for you to put it in your radar? I mean, I knew about it, but in terms of like it affecting my day in any way or made me think differently in any way or made me feel emotional in any way whatsoever, it didn't matter because you're essentially having a rally for a loss. Championships humans don't have rallies for like when they lose. They they only have rallies right. when they win. So this doesn't make any sense. This was just like, this is a loser convention. Sure. That's why it didn't, it didn't matter to me. But now that I'm thinking about it from the Tea Party's perspective, this kind of reminds me of some like, Stuff I would like like accidentally stumble on the National Mall when I would visit here in like 2010, where. Oh, you see Go ahead, please. Sorry, I, sorry. I think that the the thing that you're missing is here. It's to me everything is a step, right? And sure. it's a step. Absolutely, you're 100 percent from a you know person that is extremely smart strategically. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't say this is this is uh Trump specifically. I, I would definitely think more ba- you know Bannon or like. Miller or somebody like that. Sure. My thinking is this is a big, just kind of like a little stepping stone into the plan, right? The stepping stone is, and, and it works, right? Like, let me put, so one is, you know, Trump makes the call. He sees how many people show up. Mm-hmm. Enough people show up, right? Then from there, he knows it's going to be violence. Then that violence that is captured by the cameras is used later to say, look at what they're doing to our people. Sure. And Fury, the base, which he did, on a, on a video, on a tweet, actually, in which you see this man come from the back and punch this guy in the face, and he's just, like, bleeding, like, badly, right? Mm-hmm. But why you don't... And that's the cut, right? And he's like, look at these people, blah, blah, And then... But what happened before is that this man was hitting women, actually, and pushing other people out, but he cut that part. 
But all I'm trying to say with all this is that, okay, that moves the base further. And now, you know, with this escalation, he knows that he could get this many people here. Mm -hmm. He knows that the, there's going to be violence and that he could use that in his, um, to do whatever he needs to. So I'm thinking that this is not the last time we're going to see this amount of people here. And oh, perhaps, no, for sure. Absolutely not. I agree with you completely. But here's what I'm saying, right? Like, so if let's say he uses this one, you know, stance of like, there was so much violence that now I need to call in the National Guard to protect them next time that I call them up. Then, you know, then we have the same thing that we just had before, which was we have tanks all over D.C. Mm -hmm. I think that should affect everybody that lives in the district. So the tanks in D.C., that relates back to the June 1st thing. So that would clearly put it on my radar. So you're saying that this is like part one of a two or three or part yeah. four. Part, okay, that's Absolutely. fair. I'm saying that this affected me not in terms of my day. To, it affects me way more in my day to day fear of coronavirus. Yeah, no, I find that. I mean, I I get it, but I, you know, I think you're gonna see how it affects you. Where is it now? It's November, so we have like two months or so till. Yeah, we have two months and five days. I we I would love to check with you like a month and a half from now, <laughs> and then we can have this conversation again. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, are you glad you're in Washington D.C. right now? Yeah, I'm always glad I live here. <laughs> uh. Are you going to get tested for coronavirus this week? Yeah. I So if I took it on, on I'm sorry, I didn't take it. So I, if I, so actually I got tested on, I think it was Tuesday and I got my results on Wednesday. That's really quick. Or, but, uh, so for this, I will probably get tested. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'll probably get tested on, tested on Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. And then I'll probably get the results uh, Friday or Saturday. If you do get coronavirus from this, will you increase your rates? <laughs> uh, I'll consider it. 